I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life, a weekly podcast produced by Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, CURE. I want to welcome back our guest today, Meg Boozing. She is a TEDx speaker and the founder of the Midwest You Can Foundation. She started her foundation in 2011 with her husband to empower people with epilepsy. While raising her first child, Meg was taking upwards of 20 pills every day in an attempt to control her seizures. After several years of fighting through medication side effects and still experiencing seizures in spite of the meds, she opted for surgery. Due to the success of the surgery, she has been seizure-free for the past eight years and has since given birth to two more children. Today, Meg shares with us what it's like to be a mother with epilepsy. Thank you so much for coming back and chatting with us again. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. So um, as a refresher to those who may not remember your story from our previous episode about your incredible summer camp, uh, Camp You Can, um, I want to dive back in and probably a little more in depth about you and your personal story and how epilepsy entered your life. Um, let's start with that fateful day in high school. Yes, it was March 6, 1998, um, on the way home from school with four of my girlfriends. Um, I was in a car accident as this car spun around and hit a tree. Um, I was left with a traumatic brain injury. Um, so you wake up in the hospital, how long has gone by and what are you told about this injury and, um, and your prognosis? Yeah, I was on, uh, on a ventilator for about six days, woke up from the coma and, um, my parents explained to me that I was in a car accident with four other girls, um, and gave me a mirror to see myself. And I thought I looked the exact same Meg that I was, so this isn't going to impact my future and all is good. Um, but then I went on to rehabilitation and found out that boy, like a lot of other traumatic brain injuries, this is something that's gonna stick around. And, you know, we sort of talked about before, but it's, it's really tough because you don't have the outward physical, you're not walking around in a wheelchair or with crutches, um, you know, after that initial rehab, but there's still long lasting neurological effects. What did the doctors tell you to watch out for? Did they ever mention seizures to you as something that could happen? You know, they didn't really mention it that I can remember. That wasn't, it was trying so hard through physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Let's just get you back to where you were, Meg. Um, and so the long-term effects weren't discussed as much, um, including um, seizures that they can develop as a result of a traumatic brain injury. So something that CURE is actually doing a lot of research on right now as a part um, with a grant from the Department of Defense is on post-traumatic epilepsy, which is epilepsy that originates from uh, traumatic brain injuries right. um, and trying to figure out those causes and prepare patients for um, that experience to come down the road. Your seizures didn't start right after your accident. It was years later. It was years later that they started. And just from that leftover scar tissue on my brain, um, it just started firing incorrectly, the doctors say, and that's why the seizure started about five years later. Just, I just can't get over that, that you know, 
five years goes by, you have gone through all of the physical therapy, but you were still, you did still have um, some effects from the, the TBI. What, what were you seeing in addition to the seizures? Um, some short-term memory um, difficulties, um, word finding difficulties, um, just multitasking is another difficulty. And you know, it all depends on what part of the brain is damaged in a, a seat or excuse me, in a traumatic brain injury, but that's kind of the temporal lobe controls a lot of that short-term memory. And so you are in school, you all of a sudden now have this diagnosis of epilepsy. How did you handle that? Did you tell your peers? How did you talk about that in school and then in the workplace? I didn't really tell anyone. The stigma, as you probably know, the stigma that comes along with epilepsy, I thought could really affect my professional career. So I told teachers, they were so supportive um, and got accommodations that helped me pass nursing school. Um, but then getting into the professional field, um, no, in job interviews, I would never say, I have epilepsy, or you might need to give me some extra time, or you might, you know, cause I just thought they're not gonna hire me if, right. because of the stigma that goes along with epilepsy. And not understanding and how not it can be so different for each person and yes. how it affects each person. And um, and you start taking meds to try and control the seizures. Did you ever find seizure control on meds? No, I got up to four medications, 20 pills a day, like you said, um, with no seizure relief. Still experiencing, you know, the lasting effects of my traumatic brain injury but also those side effects of the medications were really putting a, a halt on my life. Which sometimes those side effects are worse than the seizures yes, themselves. Yes, they are. And trying to finish nursing school and get through college, it was a real difficulty once the seizure started in addition to the leftover side effects of the TBI. Hi, this is Brandon from Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, or CURE. Epilepsy affects 3.4 million Americans. Learn more about cutting-edge epilepsy treatments and research at cureepilepsy.org. Now back to this episode of Seizing Life. So you make it through nursing school with, um, while experiencing seizures. Yeah. And you get out of nursing school and you are trying to hold down um, a nursing job. What was that experience like as you're, you're battling these side effects, the seizures, and short-term memory loss? Yeah, I had always dreamed of being a pediatric nurse and working hands-on with patients. And so that's where I started. Um, but as the seizures persisted, you know, I would be at work during the day and I would kind of feel an aura like one was coming. So I'd have to step aside or I would start getting dizzy from my medications. So I'd have to go lay down in the break room. It was really impacting uh, my nursing career. So I tried another job in community health. Um, it was school nursing, um, another dream job, but the seizures got worse. What kind of seizures were you experiencing? I was having the complex partial seizures. Okay, and what did those look like? My complex partial, and they're always different mm -hmm. from patient to patient, but uh, mine would be where I'd be in the middle of a discussion like this, and all of a sudden I'd kind of pause. 
and start, people have told me I would stare off into space. I'd start lip smacking my lips. My arm would start to rise in the air and I wouldn't respond to people talking to me. And I remember the, the post seizure state too would almost be, was difficult too because while I was seizing, people would be like, Meg, 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 are you okay? Meg, Meg. And I wasn't responding, but then that almost made the seizure worse. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it almost made it, ugh. And people would try to touch me, you know, mm -hmm. Meg, it's okay. And that would almost make it worse too. So just such a stressful experience, a seizure, which I think a lot of people, including yourself, can relate to. Absolutely. So you're having these complex partial seizures. Um, they're spiraling out of control. And in the middle of this, you meet your husband. Yeah. How did you guys meet? We met on a blind date. We met and, you know, I feel, I felt like I sort of, that was something I had to get out of the way before I really got emotionally attached to him. So how I did thought, you tell him? It was on the first date. And I, you know, he's a counselor. Mm -hmm. So he already put off the persona of, you can tell me stuff and I yeah. won't judge, you know? And, and so I just said, you know, I have epilepsy and this is what it looks like. And it's a result from a traumatic brain injury and just tried to get it out of the way so it wouldn't surprise him later. And, and he, how did he respond? He was so supportive and compassionate and wanted to know more about it and just very understanding. And that's kind of where we hit it off. So you, you date, you get married, and you decide you want to start a family, which is no easy task, um, as we know from uh, a previous episode that we did mm -hmm. on um, being pregnant with epilepsy. How did that personal journey work for you um, in terms of, of managing medications and keeping yourself and um, your baby inside of you safe? Yeah, well, I didn't know going into it that I would be a, a high-risk pregnancy. Um, and with my nursing background, I knew, you know, kind of the process of pregnancy and stuff, but never high risk and what that entailed. Um, and so we just had to keep a closer eye on my pregnancy. And I had no idea that the medications I took could have an impact on baby mm -hmm. um, with any sort of birth defect or cleft lip and palate, you know, they told me all the risks. Um, and so the real goal during pregnancy was, you know, preventing seizures. So I had heard all the side effects of keeping medication going mm -hmm. while pregnant, but, you know, found out too that it was safer for mom and baby to stay on the medications and try to prevent seizures, you know, no yeah. messing with seizures while you're pregnant stay on the meds that you're already on. And so they kept a really good eye on me and baby, um, but the seizures did persist through pregnancy and actually got worse. Which is terrifying, yeah. I'm sure. As you are leading up to this big moment when you're going to be a mom for the first time and your seizures are getting worse, uh -huh. not to mention that um, lack of sleep and stress are huge seizure triggers. Huge triggers, and yeah. And those, you, they're kind of unavoidable with a newborn baby. Good luck to any parent who, yeah, can, who, who has... can sleep and, and you know have a stress-free life with yes. a, a newborn child in the home. What precautions did you take? 
you know, again, marrying my husband, very supportive and understanding. And luckily, pregnancy is nine months, <laughs> so you can prepare <laughs> for what's ahead. Um, but yeah, just had to keep real tabs on how I was resting, and he had to take over with the baby sometimes. Always, you know, when I would feel like an aura coming, I thought I need to put baby down. You know, I need to not be holding um, Brody. And so it just took a real toll um, and knowing that I needed sleep and where I would be laying down in our bedroom, you know, with the side effects of medications and or postpartum. Being yeah, and postictal. And so it was just, you know, not what I ever envisioned pregnancy looking like and just bonding with baby and not being able to hold him as much as I wanted to. And sure. And um, you had to make the choice um, not to breastfeed as well during as uh, as a result of the medications, which is also, um, you know, a decision that every woman makes whether to or not. But that decision was sort of taken away from you. Right. A lot of women get to decide, you know, mm -hmm. what works best for them and their family and baby. But yeah, kind of being told another you can't <laughs> with yeah. epilepsy, just in a different way. That was kind of a a shock and a and a real bummer that I wouldn't be able to do that with, with my son. But better that you get to stay on your medications and yes. have a happy and healthy baby mm. as a result. Exactly. Uh, so how old was Brody when you made the decision to have epilepsy brain surgery? He was about one and a half. And I had always said, you know, whenever I heard the option of surgery, I would just automatically be like, nope, let's try another medication. Nope, just increase my meds. So I imagine you were told that because of the, the traumatic brain injury, they know exactly where the seizures were originating yeah, from. Yeah, that's what they're saying. So you were a candidate probably pretty early on. What in the end made you decide to go for the surgery? It was all having a child and having a baby and just wanting to bond and be there. And the seizures were just putting a halt and getting in the way of what I always envisioned motherhood being like. So it was as Brody was almost one year, one year old, I thought, no, I need to be here as a mom. And that's what really got me thinking about, okay, maybe surgery should be something to be looked into because I have a baby I've always dreamed of, and I want to be the best mom I can be, so. Let's give this a shot. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. It had to be terrifying for your entire family to yeah. be going in and having brain surgery, you know, meanwhile, you're know, leaving a young child in yeah. the waiting room. Um, but you came out amazingly, and you've been seizure-free for eight years. Yes. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Not a lot of people understand, you know, that we're yeah. like, it's like a birthday. It is. You know, it it's is. like celebrating seizure freedom. Is it's just, huge. It's huge. Um, but one thing I do want to take a moment and stress is that even though you have been seizure free for eight years, you are still battling epilepsy and the effects. You you told me that you're still on medications, which means you still have the side effects mm -hmm. from those medications. Yes. And it doesn't erase the um, damage from the traumatic brain injury, the, um, the short-term memory loss that you have. Mm -hmm. um, so you're still parenting with these med side effects and 
as well as um, the results of the TBI. Yeah. How has that impacted your parenting? It's, you know, forgetfulness. <laughs> and I said, my nine-year-old by nine years now is so used to having mom being forgetful that sometimes he'll tell a teacher, you know, might need to remind my mom, write it in there today and yesterday, that oh I need to bring certain book for show and tell. That's so amazing you know? that so he's like he, come up with his own little tactics. Yeah, to, to kind of get around his mom having a difficulty uh, with short-term memory. It's just neat how he's kind of picked up on it, but again, is okay with it mm -hmm. and kind of adapts to having it's a his mom. normal. With, yeah, and can be there to explain to his younger siblings, hey, you know, it might take a mom a little longer. Hey, let's go to dad for help with homework. <laughs> you know, let's, yeah. but it's neat how he can empathize, you know, sure. and really understand that, you know, although short-term memory and sometimes recall, multitasking aren't my strengths, um, he also sees the positive things that I've been doing in the community. So it's And just neat. how much you love him, too. Yeah. And, um, you know, so tell me again, how old are your three children? Nine, five, and three. What... Um, are there tips or tricks that you would give to other um, parents out there who are looking to start on this journey? They have epilepsy, they're having active seizures, and, and they want to start a family, or um, perhaps they're, you know, they're in a similar position to you and you know they, they already have a family and they're living with seizures or the after effects of seizures and epilepsy. What, what tips or words of encouragement do you have for people out there in your shoes? I think just always being honest with your kids and letting them know that mom might have a difficult time. Um, letting them know that yes, mom takes medication, but those are for her wellness, not because she's sick, but to keep her healthy, mom is taking these medications. Um, my mom might need a little more sleep because seizures can happen, you know, if you don't have enough sleep. Just providing them the education about epilepsy, um, I think has been really important with our kids and um, not to shelter them, but to empower them and be open about it, to talk about our mm -hmm. strengths and weaknesses. So I, th I think overall, just reflecting on it, I think it sort of has been a benefit to our family in that way um, for kid, for our kids to develop some empathy and understanding that not everybody's the same. Absolutely. And you've, you've spoken a bit about your husband and what an incredible partner he is in all of this. What are ways that um, a someone's partner uh, and in life and in parenting uh, can be supportive to a parent with epilepsy? I think just always being there to listen and because we do have our difficulties and stresses and just being there as number one cheerleader and I know that gets tiring for them too. Um, but you know, just always being there for their spouse or significant other um, and taking a partnership and getting through this epilepsy, you know, and being a team um, and always staying involved in the um, latest treatments and I just think it's important for um, families to be involved in the overall care. 
Meg, thank you so, so much for coming and chatting and sharing your very personal experience when an adult who is living a, um, a mainstream life tells their story, the impact is, is massive and there is risk for you in sharing something so personal. So I'm just, I'm so appreciative to you for sharing your story and um, especially something as personal as, as parenting and motherhood. I just, you're an inspiration. Well, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you again, Meg, for sharing your story. It's inspiring to see how you balance searching for seizure control while raising a family. Meg's journey with epilepsy is a reminder that the fight to find a cure is about more than just the elimination of seizures. It is about the emotional and psychological toll epilepsy takes on patients and their families. If you wanna support research into finding a cure for epilepsy, please consider donating to the organization which produces this podcast, Cure. Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CURE. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. CURE strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical condition be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.